Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of the Dayson Digest podcast. I'm Travis Jones, a liaison clinical pharmacist with Dayson, and I will be introducing this podcast episode. This podcast is being recorded on Friday, June 18th, and the format of this episode will be a little different than our prior episodes. As you may know, Dayson hosted a blood culture contamination prevention summit yesterday, and we thought we'd use this opportunity to share an insightful presentation by Dr. Kevin Gary, a professor and chair at the University of Houston College of Pharmacy. In this episode, Dr. Gary discusses the estimated clinical and economic impact of reducing blood culture contamination. And unlike other or prior episodes, this episode includes slides. So be sure to follow along by watching the video if you can. If not, the slides and relevant articles discussed in this episode will be posted on our website above the link you clicked to listen to this episode. I'll now turn it over to Dr. Gary to discuss the estimated clinical and economic impact of blood culture contamination. Thanks, Dr. Gary. Good morning, good afternoon. I hear it's a blood culture contamination summit day uh, in North Carolina. Congratulations, that's always one of my favorite holidays too. Uh, Libby asked me to give a quick presentation on estimated clinical and economic impact of reducing blood culture contamination. Uh, my name is Kevin Gary. I'm a professor at the University of Houston College of Pharmacy. So uh, three relevant papers that I was part of that it, this essentially is why Libby asked me to give this talk. Um, a nice review on the cost of blood culture contamination by a former resident of mine, Casey Dempsey. And then uh, probably the, maybe the more important one today, uh, whether a blood culture diversion device is cost effective in terms of like reducing uh, blood culture contamination and the costs associated with that. Eric Scoglin, a, a prior fellow. And then for those of you who are really into it, um, there's a CMR, clinical microbiology review on it. Uh, big, 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 long review. Uh, many of you will recognize uh, Dan Sexton, senior author who I think uh, works with you guys. Okay, so to set the um, stage, essentially we draw a lot of blood cultures in the USA, 40 million plus, and that's probably just in Houston alone where I'm from. And so just to follow that along, there's the blood culture and it's either gonna be positive or negative. And what we're dealing with today is, is those contaminants that, sh that show up and how much does it, does it cost us uh, when those contaminants are there as opposed to treating the two pathogens that obviously we want to do. So when you start thinking of this in terms of economics, uh, you can kind of like think about where that blood culture goes and where the cost can get incurred. So obviously the, the first step in this whole process is going to be the microbiology lab. And, and obviously if you have a, a positive culture that's contaminant, that's going to disrupt laboratory efficiency quite a bit because that tech who was going to do something else working on the true positives, now has to spend time to go and uh, work up the, 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 the contaminant. And that, that's gonna be usually putting them in some more machines with cost money. And in our world of rapid diagnostics, that can be uh, costly. Uh, because of that um, event, that, that positive culture, that may also influence uh, back at the site to repeat those blood cultures, maybe start looking for a secondary diagnosis and so I'm going to spur some antibiotic use too, which I'll describe in the next slide. So, so there's, there's going to be these costs that are almost completely unavoidable. And in all honesty, some of these costs are completely unavoidable. And as we get into the economic model, I'll really stress that. 
Now, when you, when you take that next step, so what now after the microbiology tells you that we have a positive uh, culture here, whether it's contaminant or positive, you have to think about that and, and react to that. And one of the consequences will be, oh, they have a positive culture. I better start antibiotics. And the world of contaminants, can, so much staph epi and other gram positives, is going to be an awful lot of vancomycin use. On top of that is going to be some vancomycin TDM. And on top of that is going to be toxicities associated with any antibiotic use. Uh, C. diff is what I put up here. Um, but obviously, there's plenty more too. And then, then the extension of that thing that is also going to happen quite often, starting new antibiotics, is going to be then some hospital-based costs like increased length of stay in the hospital. And that's just some stuff down there. Okay, so there's a, there's a lot of things that happen with that, uh, with that contamination event. And most of those things, actually, I think all of those things, uh, would increase your, your cost, your economic cost to your hospital. And so this is, this is sort of that summary slide that puts it all together. So, so that, that's the background in this very short talk. You could go into this for hours, but that sets the stage essentially. So, so Casey Dempsey was interested in this, my former resident, and essentially a systematic review, uh, punching in blood culture contamination and economics essentially, uh, to come up with, with 15 articles that really did a good job of trying to describe the economic costs of uh, false positive blood cultures. Uh, here are the most important, uh, six of them. And it was kind of remarkable to me um, how consistent those, those costs were. And, and so most of these hospitals just like kind of line up all those things that happen. How much does it cost to process a blood culture? What's the time, the techniques to do that, et cetera, et cetera. So whether you're a charge person or a cost to charge person, uh, you can see that costs are anywhere from uh, 3,700 to 9,300 per event. And, and consistently, each of those studies was able to demonstrate an extended length of stay, in this case, uh, for four additional four days in the hospital. And so if you believe those numbers, that additional four days, you recognize that anything that reduces a blood culture contamination event, if you have a high rate in your hospital, uh, is going to be uh, pretty good from a, a cost-effectiveness standpoint. Okay, so I think one of the things you guys were uh, kind of dwelling upon today is the blood culture diversion devices. And, I, and this study was sponsored by Steripath, Magnolia Medical, the makers of Steripath. And so this is, this is the study they did on their blood culture diversion device. And, and compared to hardcore phlebotomists that I think got a severe beating if there was a blood culture event, a blood culture contamination event, because this is what the phlebotomists were able to achieve, which is a spectacular uh, contamination rate of just a little bit under 2%. But this uh, blood culture diversion device, or what we call the initial specimen diversion device, was able to reduce it to way under 1%. Now, this is like hardcore clinical trial at 1.78%. And what you need to know in your ED or your ICU, or wherever you're thinking of using this, is what is your rate? And it's always a comparison of your rate compared to what these uh, diversion devices can do, which is where you get your true economic benefit. So many EDs are 6%, some are higher, ICUs relatively the same. It's wherever there's a high traffic area, a need to get patients through fairly quickly, where you do have to uh, quickly get the blood cultures done, 
that's generally where, you, where you'll see the higher rates. Uh, nice thing about uh, this study, they also looked at the true bacteremia rate, which was no change between the two. So, so that, that sort of premise gave my fellow Eric Scotland the ability to do sort of a what-if model. So if, if a, the, the diversion device can get you below 1%, we can then go look in our ED, for example, we used an, a, a particular ED in Houston, and then do what the other reviews have done of tally up all the costs associated with that contamination event, and then run a cost-effectiveness model to see uh, what's the benefit of using this diversion device. So much as I've described it, we, we kind of went after, well, with the, with the costs that are the no-brainer costs pay for, for itself, we know we're going to have to increase the microbiology costs. We can estimate how many patients get vancomycin because of that, add those costs in. And that's what we call direct costs. The indirect costs, which are harder to see, is like the increased length of stay, the hospital-acquired infections. They're there but they're there at a lower probability. It's not going to be a universal event. And then third, because it was interesting to us at the time, because we were implementing a bunch of new rapid diagnostics, which are more expensive, obviously. Uh, and if you're doing a rapid diagnostic on a contamination event, you're kind of wasting the money. So we, we added this in too. So, so this is sort of how we did it pictorial, and this was our sort of our theme. So the probability of contamination is going to be the, the major driver here. Um, I'll give you the big bang finish. Anything above 6% looks like it's, it's super useful and even arguably underneath that. And then the microbiology is the stuff that's the 100% of the time going to happen. Uh, vancomycin, I want go back up, go back down. Vancomycin, uh, common, so we just put the proportions in and then likelihood of the other stuff as well. So, so the, the decision tree then does exactly that. And so this is just so all these little breaks are is exactly the same thing coming. But essentially it's doing that. So if it's a contamination event, there's micro cost, pharmacy costs, and these indirect variables. So then we can kind of add up those economics and, and it's additive. So we can look how much one is, the other one is, and then put them all together. And so this is the, this is the big bang finish. This is my, my money shot for this talk. And so this is, this is, what's your probability of having a contamination event? And here's what your microbiology costs are. And this is per blood culture. So in this case is only, two out of 100 that are contaminated. But the microbiology costs, when you take those costs of those two uh, divided by the no cost of the other 98, it's still six bucks or three bucks, depending whether you use rapid diagnostics or not. And then it quickly goes up as, as your contamination event goes up, because obviously you're doing a lot more work. Uh, same thing with pharmacy costs, and this is really vancomycin plus TDM. That's all we, that's all we put into this. So there's obviously tons of other antibiotics. So, and though this would be uh, considered a conservative estimate, which is what we wanted to do. Uh, then this is adding in the length of stay costs. And then you can quickly see if you are a true believer and you're okay with these indirect hospital costs, which are super consistent in the literature that you get an increased length of stay. It, it almost doesn't matter what your contamination rate is your cost benefit of using some sort of diversion device is always there, almost regardless of whether or not you do or do not use rapid diagnostics. But I will say you can hang your hat on like 28 plus 10 as $38 that you will absolutely save. These are microbiology close, it doesn't have tech time, but it's close and the pharmacy is an underestimate. So those are, 
no-brainer, 100% of the time to save that. And this is the additional benefit that's going to be in there someplace. Okay, so in a quick whirlwind, hopefully less than 15 minutes. So it's frequent, it's costly, we know that. Uh, there's best practices, but unless you have a zillion phlebotomists running around it, it's really, really hard to keep your um, blood culture contamina contamination rates low. And I think these blood culture diversion devices are the only ways to get up below 1% consistently. Um, that might become a new CLSI standard. I just put that in and I think it's, it's gaining even traction now. And then I, hopefully the data that I showed you was uh, convincing that, you, that there is some cost benefit aspects to, uh, to using this device. Uh, so thanks for the attention and hope you enjoy the rest of your summit. Thanks Dr. Gary for presenting that fantastic talk. Um, and thanks everyone for tuning in to episode 15 of the Dayson Digest podcast. As a reminder, we post new podcast episodes every other Friday. So be on the lookout for our next episode on July 2nd. It'll be a great podcast to kick off the holiday weekend. Thanks again for joining. And until next time, take care.